a week of thanksgiving, Lord. But our thanksgiving doesn't stop with a turkey dinner, O oh God. But it resides in the Christ. And today as we prepare our hearts, God, for a service, not of any great preaching, not of any swells of the singing, but that you may have glory, O oh God. Our thanks and our thanksgiving is to you and to you alone. And all over this sanctuary, O oh God, I pray that we would not leave the same as we came. Some would get a lift of joy. Others would receive new hope. Some would hear the word of God for the first time. But as we walk away, that every one of us would be changed. And today we want to say to you, Lord, we're forever thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated and the children will... I don't know if they don't look like they've departed. Amen. Amen. How'd you do with Thanksgiving? Fabulous. Amen. I'm... I'm glad to be here to preach uh, in a day that it's really sobering for me when we are getting ready to do the Lord's Supper together. And it's always humbling. It always seems like in my own heart that there's a preparation of just just quietness and, and thankfulness to God. And as I really start to hone in on what this means, and I see people kind of waving so... Uh, maybe I could help you out a little bit. How's that sound? Amen. Amen, brother. Should we? <laughs> Amen. Because I. And so I think, as uh, you know, it's easy to think of our holidays in America with Thanksgiving, but as we come together this morning here in a service to begin to really focus on the great things that God has done. And I am also very excited to let you know that I couldn't button my top button this morning. Um, I'm sure that my shirt has shrunk in the washer. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless, I wanted to wear a tie today. Uh, I don't know why. I can't find one in the Bible. But I wanted to wear one. Um, but I couldn't button my top button. So I'm very thankful. I ate so much. It was had to be gluttony on some level. But uh, anyway, I hope you enjoyed time with your family. And I know that it's for some it's a very exciting time. And for others it's also a very hard time. And so if you've, if you've had loss this year, man, my heart goes out to you as, as a pastor. Um, to sit across the table where your loved one's not there. But I didn't come with just sorrow. I, I really come today with a message of hope for you that today we're worshiping and we are going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And I believe that today, um, just that we'll be able to hear afresh and there'll be a unity within the body in this service that is something only God can do. And I want you to let this be the peace of God passing your understanding, knowing that if you've lost somebody, not just this year, but in the years ahead, and you wish they were at your table with you, that that he's enough, that Christ is enough. His body, his working is always enough in any circumstance or situation. So, amen. 
I say that, would you please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, and we will also be in Exodus chapter 12. We will start in Luke chapter 22, and I'll begin reading in verse 15. We're ministering this morning on the Lord's Supper, and I want to give as much as I can a foundation to the reason. Uh, This is one of the two ordinances of the church here as a Southern Baptist, Uh, and I don't think it has to be just because we're Southern Baptists, but this is solid rock foundation. And today we have a wonderful opportunity in one day to observe both of these ordinances. This morning we will give memorial and thankfulness to God for what he did through Christ and the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate that. We're going to give God glory. And also this evening, we will be witnessing a baptism by total immersion here at the church. So I hope that, amen, and I don't want to just call everyone out, but I hope you come back tonight and and witness the baptism. This is two ordinances there are ordinances. If you ever think about an ordinance in your town, they put certain ordinances up because this is what you will do. And uh, Christ left us, and we want to share and teach on these two ordinances today, the Lord's Supper and water baptism. If you've now found yourself in Luke chapter 22, let's, let's start looking and reading here in verse 15. And he, that is Jesus, said to them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body. It's given for you. Will you do this or do this in remembrance of me? Likewise, also the cup after the supper, he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Church, I want to this morning uh, really begin a series, I believe throughout this coming Christmas season, to begin to lay what I think is extraordinary foundation for our lives not only now, but for the generations, the children and the grandchildren, you have to teach some extraordinary foundation on church doctrine and soundness. And today we're approaching the Lord's Supper. And so we've just read a text where Jesus lets his disciples know he's 24 hours from being crucified. He sent two of them out to find the very spot, let them know what they would see and how to find it. And so... They get in this upper room and he lets them know, I have desired to take this. Now what he's doing is he's actually observing Passover with them. And so that's why I want to in just a moment go to Exodus chapter 12. Because if if you're not really sure what that means, the Passover, then I want you to leave here knowing what that means and why we take the Lord's Supper. Because so many times I've been in services and uh, I certainly... Uh, couldn't judge the one's heart next to me, but it seemed as though at times it was kind of just taking a piece of bread on your tongue and the juice, and and that's not at all what this means. And so today I want to give some gravity to what God wants to say to us by taking the Lord's Supper as His body 
here at Riverton First Baptist Church. And if you're listening by way of podcast, I pray that this is an addition to the faith you have in Christ and the memorial that you could give God glory when you do this, that you would never again uh, find yourself in a posture of other thoughts or even something absent of God's faith when we do this. So he goes to his disciples and he says, I've really desired to do this Passover. I wanted to do this with you. And the Jews were out uh, doing the, get preparing for this Passover. But Jesus, he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so as we begin to read in a minute in Exodus, you're going to see everything that the Jews were doing because they were told to, and that's the way that they left Egypt. Now Jesus Christ is establishing himself as the Lamb, the Passover Lamb, and he desired to do this before he suffered. Aren't you glad that Christ is not too busy uh, in his own suffering when he came into the earth? that he wouldn't take time with his disciples. I mean, it should show us something about that while we are busy, maybe we're about to suffer. If he was willing to do this one day before he hung on a cross, after being scourged and beaten and bloody, some describe his back as looking like a bowl of blackberry jelly historically. He was a beaten, whipped Savior who took all of the glory of God, everything heaven had to offer that would kingly array him, he willingly and humbly said, Lord, send me. I'll do this. And when he came, his own did not receive him. And so the prophet asked in Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of God revealed? You see it, the psalmist wrote in the eighth psalm, that when you look at the sun, moon, and stars, you have witnessed the work of God's finger. But it's not until you get to the point of the cross that you witness the work of God's arm. And I believe as we come together this morning, all of us need a working of God's arm, the strength of God. Let us know where your strength resides. And he said, who's believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when you shall see him, there's no beauty you would desire him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrow acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. But surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrow. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. I could keep going, but the gravity of that gives us to the point of the realization of Jesus born in the earth and his kingly garments removed, that he may be the humble lamb born in a manger, not receiving the rewards of men, but the rejection because of where he came from. And as you begin to believe in Christ and today may even be transformed in this very service by the power of believing God's word and God's son. I'm going to give you a chance before we take the Lord's Supper at the end of this service. I'm going to give you an invitation to make anything in your life right where the Holy Spirit would ask you to get it right. I certainly wouldn't want to ask the church here at Riverton to partake of the Lord's Supper without also inviting you to maybe let the Holy Spirit challenge your life. And as we work through, I want to be very slow. I don't want to be preachy today. Anything that puts itself ahead of this would be total heresy in our presence today. Any man getting in front of the Lord's Supper 
has put himself in a bad position. The only position I have as a pastor today is in humility share with you what I understand that it means, and it's so much greater than that. But he desired and he, he loved on these disciples. He knew that they also were going to be in great fear. But he said, I want to do this with you. I have desired. And how about if you take that, that word desire and you apply it to your life today? What are you thinking about throughout the week? What has been your trouble or even your joys? But can you share that in this moment today with Christ? And can you let Him say back to you in your situation as you come to this church this morning just like you are, can you know with faith and surety today that He wants to say to you, I have desired to be with you here today? And as, as this is just a symbol of bread that is His body and of wine or juice that was His blood, let us not fight over whether it was actually wine, but see that this is the blood of the Savior wanting to knit Himself and His own desires with you. He wants to get closer to you today. If you want to be in the, a worship service, you're in one. If you want a true expression of worship to God, I'm offering you this opportunity today. There are no hands raised. There's no accolades of men's preaching but the Lord's Supper to say, to hear the Savior say to you, I desire to get right here with you. Where you are, I want up close to you and next to you. Where your faith has been crippled, maybe there are some in here today that say, I came and I made a profession of faith in years past, but the devil's been trying to steal and trick and trip me. And today, I need to know that Christ desires to get with me he wants me. He knows what I'm facing and what I will face in the days ahead. He says some powerful things. I've desired to take this Passover with you. He's in respect to the tradition of the Jews. And again, in a moment we will read that. But he was also the fulfillment. He was all they hoped for. And after Him, there would be no other. There's no other Jesus. Any other preaching like that is just another gospel that is false. When He was born of a manger, and we're now, this is the beginning, I believe, of a month of not only giving when it comes to Lottie Moon and missionaries and, and starts and workings within the body of Christ, but within the church here at Riverton. We get a chance to come together today to let God show us how much He desires and loves us. Don't we need that? I mean, maybe this isn't hanging off the rafters and, and we're not uh, jumping up and down. But these I'm sharing with you in one day two ordinances of this church that for 2,000 years believers have come together to witness. That is to partake of this together, not just as a piece of bread and some juice, but as a piece of the faith of the Savior who came to make the world whole, who came to redeem our life. Would you please turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12? 
I want to share with you, and then we'll go back to Luke 22 before we take the Lord's Supper together. I want to show with you what was said to Moses and through Moses and Aaron. If I may, I'd like to give a little background in case you're not familiar with some of this text. Um, Let's read it first. Verse 21, chapter 12. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your family and kill, would you say the last word with me, the Passover. You see that. And remember Jesus said in Luke 22, I've desired to take this Passover with you. So what was happening is from this point in Exodus, this is when the Jews were in bondage to Egypt. Remember when they were slaves and God wanted them out. And so he spoke to Moses and then used Moses and Aaron to go to this leader, Pharaoh. And he had a real clear message. Let my people go. Let them go. Let my, this is what God said through his messenger let my people go. That's, let my people go. If we could really hear the... Think of that. What in our lives today, does God come in to plead through a minister, a servant, whoever, your neighbor, to say to your adversary, let them go. Let my people go. Let them go. They're in bondage. And right then, they were actual slaves. They were making bricks. And the whole time that this message came forth, Pharaoh knew how to take care of this message. He knew how to try to sidestep the message. You know what he did? He increased the labor of the men. He said, oh, this is easy. Just have them work more. Isn't that a trick of America? That all you have to do when you hear a clear message of let my people go, the adversary thinks the same way Pharaoh thought in a... a, Total disagreement to a message that was true and Christ wanted to live. And that is, make them busy. Busyness will make you unfruitful. Busyness will get you so tied up in where you're at, you won't think about what God's saying. I mean, I'm concerned today. I mean, we was having Thanksgiving dinner, and everyone had a device, including me. But when does God get to speak to us? When are these moments for the desire of the faith of Christ with this desiring master to want to get up next to you in quietness. It challenges me. I don't think it's just a cell phone. It can be anything. When the cell phones weren't here, it was the telephone. And then it was whatever it may be. And it was a telegraph. So I don't think we can blame it on one thing. But really, church, let's think of that. As we're here this morning, when are the moments that Christ and the Lord gets to send the Holy Spirit with the desire just to get next to you? the way Christ got next to His disciples? When are those moments? And are they very limited in our life? I mean, we could pass off busyness for obedience if we're not careful. It's a a trap. I mean, even in the pastorate, there are times you realize there are so many things you want to do, even within the church, but there's a realization, I can't do it all. Are you with me? And this is why it takes a many-membered body. And as God begins to prompt you today and say, look, this is your spot. I want to function. I want to use you here. It's because there's no island to itself in Christianity. There's no pastor that fixes everything. Amen. But there are times when he just needs to be able to speak and you just say, send me, Lord. But when can he do that? 
I want to challenge us. So as we get quiet at the end of the service, and you'll say, hear light music playing at the end, I just want that time to be special for you to take all that you are and all that you have, whatever's going on in your life, and let Him get next to you. Is that okay? Let Him get up next to you. Let's keep reading. Verse 22, He pulled. He said, Take one lamb to, according to your family and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of uh, hyssop and dip it in blood in the basin and strike it on the lintel on the doorpost that the blood that's in the basin, none of you shall go out of the door. Basically, they took, they took blood and struck it on their doorpost. It let everyone know that, look, we took the lamb for our house. We killed the Passover lamb. This is the basic part of this. Was in your house, if you would have taken a lamb in response to Moses, the point was they were slaves and wanted out, but there's only one way to get out of slavery, and that's by a lamb. Are you with me? And so there's no other way. And this message has remained the same, whether it's Old Testament or New, that it's by the blood of a lamb that you're going to be delivered out of bondage and slavery from Pharaoh, sin, guilt, pain, whatever it may be in life. There's only one answer. And so they took a natural lamb and they killed him on the Passover and they began to let everyone know, especially God, that they had done this, they took the lentil, the hyssop, I'm sorry, the hyssop, and they struck the doorpost of their house. So if you went by their house, you would see this blood on the doorpost. I mean, I, I like that. I'm not sure I want to put, you know, literal blood at home. I think people think I'm really weird and weir. If all of a sudden when you come into my gate, there was blood dripping off my... Are you with me? But can I ask you something? Do they know when they pull into your house that the blood of Jesus Christ is alive and well? That you have said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord? Maybe then they seen a literal blood and knew this. But today, do they know that the blood of Christ resides where you are? I know that they even say that it's not popular to talk about the blood in our day. There's no change of covenants without the blood of Jesus. Except He bled and died on that cross. There's no way for me to have salvation. So let's keep reading. Verse 23. For the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptian when he sees the blood upon the lintel. And one and on the two sides of the post, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your house and smite you. Let's just kind of break this down as we go. So what happened was there was a death angel going to pass over. And what he told them, he said, take a lamb for your house according to your families. And if you want to read previous, please go home and study this. You're going to find out. He said, take the lamb, eat the head, the legs, and the pertinence. You don't want to know what the pertinence was. It wasn't like your Thanksgiving meal. Amen. But by morning, he said, don't leave any of it to remain. Burn it with fire. If anything's left by morning, burn it with fire. And do you know anything not brought into the submission of Jesus Christ will be burnt with fire? No question about that. But what he did was they took a lamb to the house. They then struck the doorpost of their house with blood. That night, the death angel passed over the lamb. Now, he didn't pass over and give you a free pass. He passed over saying, this is representative of the faith of Jesus Christ. The blood applied to this home says, there's already been a death exacted here in the faith of Christ Jesus our Lord, the Son of God. Are you with me? So when they passed over, it wasn't a free pass. It was a pass on the death of Christ. But it wouldn't kill the firstborn. 
What's wonderful, it would pass over. And the Bible said in Egypt, you heard cries throughout the land. Church, can I say to you, this is not just a story. This really happened. There was a morning that all of Egypt cried, except for those who had the blood on the doorpost. A cry, waking up to the firstborn of their cattle, the firstborn of their home, dead. But anyone who had applied the blood to their own doorpost, the firstborn of all creation, before the foundation of the world, had been crucified. There had been a place in God's mercy to deliver all of humanity. If you would come by faith in Christ, this one applied to the house and the life would not just give you a free pass, but would deliver you from bondage to wherever God's will was for you. Powerful. This was the Passover. And listen to what God says to them about this. Verse 24. You shall observe this thing for an ordinance to you and to your sons forever. 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 How long, preacher? Forever. What did you say? I said, forever. You mean until like this generation dies and the next one forgets? No, forever. God said, hey, will you do this ordinance? See, there's two ordinances of this church, water baptism and the Lord's Supper. It's an ordinance. How long, preacher? Uh, forever. Forever. No, no, don't you mean until there's a generation that has a better way to do this? It's kind of, you know, no, no, God just said forever. You'll be doing this forever. If you want deliverance, this is how you will do it. Now, the first words in Luke 22, verse 15. Please hear this. I'll read to you. We just read it. And he said that Jesus with desire have desired to eat this Passover with you. Before I suffer, I say to you, I will not any more eat of this until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Wow. So this Passover was still going on years later. Are you with me? It was still going on because it's an ordinance forever before God. So what's the purpose of this? Is this just so we do this? And it doesn't mean no. There's God's glory and his worship is in this. This is where you say yes to the Lord and no to everything else. This is how God delivered them from Egypt. Like without this, there was no deliverance from Egypt. Without a lamb dying in their house, there was no deliverance. Without And how does that happen in our life? Jesus Christ, there are moments under preaching or otherwise and reading the Word of God. You may be in prayer. You may be going down the road. And the Holy Spirit convicts your life to say to you, the Lamb doesn't reside in your house. That's what He's basically doing. When I was 17, the conviction of the Holy Spirit said to me, the Lamb isn't in your house. How many of you know the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And I want to strike the blood on both sides. I want you to know, amen, I want you to live with me daily. And I'm not going to give excuses to my failures because in the first, uh, in Corinthians 11, where we're going to read over the Lord's Supper, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And last week I preached on John the Baptist and said, could, 
Could someone follow you and know at the end of your road that Jesus Christ was preeminent? I mean, when they talk to you, does your speech say to them over and over, Christ is preeminent? I mean, I'm not saying can the devil trip you. I'm not suggesting that I don't get tripped. But I'm not giving excuses to the sin when God made a way from my slavery to my freedom through the blood of Christ. And today, as I approach the Passover, not just from a context of Scripture, but the Lord's Supper, knowing that I by faith have come to the one on the cross. Wow! It's bigger than just bread and thinking about where we're going to eat at times. I mean, when we take this, are we saying, Jesus... Man, you were beaten, whipped, not just in a natural perspective, but all the wrath of God came upon you. Everything God would have done to me in my rebellion, God delivered to you in a cup. And this is why in Gethsemane, Jesus said, if this cup could pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. He come into submission to the Father. Wow. What an order of the heavens. Though they're equal, He humbled Himself and was born of a woman. And then let God be preeminent, God, that Your will would go forward and do it in me. The cup. One lady said, could my my son sit with you on the right hand? He said, it's not for me to discern. You can't drink the cup nor be baptized with my baptism. You don't want this. He would say to any one of us today, you couldn't handle it. I drank the sin of the world. I mean, I took on the wrath of God. Mercy was locked up over inside the temple and the tabernacle. Before then, there was the wrath of God to men. Do we realize what this did when He come to take this Passover and share it with His disciples, knowing He's going to be crucified and raised from the dead, but they're going to be whipped, and some of them 30 and 40 years later will be crucified upside down with their families, and their families will be killed, and they'll never change their story that they fed, and they gave a drink to the risen Savior that came forth from the dead. He's the only one like that. Everything else is false in comparison to Christ. Yet His, his humility is always towards us. His desires towards us. What did He drink? I know they give Him vinegar. They give Him the bitterness of the world while He was at the cross. They took a sponge and put everything bitter they could get upon Him. But what did God do? When He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? What happened there? What happened to this Jesus who walked on the water? Who fed 5,000? Listen to His words on the cross side. I mean, when He says the last words, which it is finished, it was tremendous. We'll be forever understanding what that meant. And some of you that come today and your loved ones, as I expressed as I opened today, and they've gone on before you, you're going to forever give glory. And today I want you to let that settle in into your faith that if they have asked Christ to forgive their sin and was made new by the blood of the Lamb, that they're not alone somewhere, but He went to prepare a place. And as we get into the place of death, the psalmist wrote, precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of His saints because He knows how to come get them. But if you read in Luke 16, you'll find out quickly that the ungodly are not so. They're buried. 
Wow! Gravity sets in. And God's glory starts to illuminate everything. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the forsaking of mankind had all to do with the sin of the world. And for a moment, for three hours, the world went black. The sun was darkened. The Bible tells us. And I don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't give us complete description. But I could see as the sin, the sin coming out of a needle that was a huge syringe of all the world was coming after Christ on the cross of Calvary that day. And that meant all the sin of the whole world and all of mankind from the beginning to the very last one that will ever have breath. God had wrapped up in a syringe, headed for the Son of God. And upon the, some kind of injection or however the wrath fell upon one who didn't deserve it, he, was, he who knew no sin was made to be sin that I may be made what? The righteousness of God is not fair, but an exchange happened. The one who didn't deserve to die, who didn't deserve the wrath, who didn't deserve the punishment for sin was now going to be punished by the one He loves the most, which is a God in heaven who gives eternal life to all by the redemption of His own Son on the cross. And He comes at Him, and I can imagine in that moment, as He feels the sin of the world and the wrath of God land upon one man for all men, for all of eternity, that He would say, Father, why have You forsaken me? I feel what this feels like. But somewhere inside of this wrath-taking Lamb... Wanting to us to give blood to every life and every home. Mercy finds herself in the tabernacle. In a mirror. Dressing herself up. She's been locked up for generations. But today it wasn't wrath on humanity. But today, she's going to get an open door to all of humanity. And I could see her pretty herself up as if she was headed on a date. And when the Son of God cried out, It is finished. The Bible says the veil of the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom and mercy got out of that place and come after every one of you, including this service today. And if you found yourself in brokenness, Christ died that you may receive the mercy of God by the blood of the Lamb. Wonderful Savior, Master, Deliverer. And then is this punishable by death, sin of the whole world placed upon the Son of God? What did it do? He took on death. He then said, death, here we are. You've grinned at me for the last time. And the devil thought they had him just where they wanted him until this one gave his life because he was a humble lamb taken to the slaughter without his mouth open. He didn't reject. He didn't curse. He simply laid himself in the posture and said, I am the sacrifice. I'll take what it needs to come that I may have many brethren in glory. And God did this in him that day. But when he let himself loose, the Bible said that he made a show of the devil and all that was there for three days. And I can assure you every time you get on your knees... And if you've never heard this, if you've never prayed like this, I ask you to pray like this as you leave this service, even in this service. And that is, you cry out in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's by this name, 
It's only one name under heaven whereby all will be saved. And the devil and all that's present understand fully what that name means. He punished them. The very heel of the Savior bruised the head of the serpent on that day. And after three days of that, the arm of God that then is greater than all that the heavens have to offer, that had not only stretched to the height of the heavens, for Christ has been exalted above all, but He's also been made lowly in the humility of all that anyone had to offer in their punishment, in their murder, in their pain, in their divorce, in all of the mess that goes on in this life. God's arm's big enough to get this high, but not until He's gone this low to make sure everyone in all mankind had a way in the Son of God to get out of where they were to where God wants them to be. He wanted to say, let my people go, and he done it in Christ Jesus the Lord. And when this arm stretched down into the grave, and it grabbed a hold of Christ, and it brought him out of the grave that all may see he wasn't finished, and then the ascension of Christ happened, and as God's arm thrust into the heights of the heavens, everything in heaven bowed down. That's why every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. Jesus Christ is the Lord. He's pursued all the geography. He's pursued everything that had to offer in humanity. And God's arm was strong enough. He's now my strong tower. In Christ, He's made me strong. The joy of the Lord is now my strength. Be thou strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I ask you, church, don't lean on your own understanding. Let God do the impossible. There's nowhere to end a message like this. I'm just, I'm asking you, if we could, I'd like to have someone. I know that's so heavy. Some of that's like, whoa. But the only way out of bondage is by the Lamb. And this Lamb was respecting the Passover. He was fulfilling the law that He then could be the eternal sacrifice. Never again would we bow to Moses, but we would bow ourselves to Christ. And I want to give you an invitation. So I want to be very practical here in this part of the service. In our church, we have an open table. And what this means is that if you're born again, if you have professed Jesus Christ, and you're following Christ, you know the Lamb, you're regenerate, you've repented of your sin, I invite you to take the Lord's Supper with us. Maybe you're here today, And you say, I profess Christ, but I've never followed Him in baptism, preacher. I'm going to ask and give you an invitation to come. It's the second ordinance that I'm to defend as a pastor of this church. I want to see that you're fully immersed by water baptism, the same way Jesus was baptized. We don't sprinkle. We don't do infant baptism. We want you to be regenerate in the profession of your faith, become new at the heart, and then water baptized. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I want to be a part of this body. Now, you don't have to be a member to take the Lord's Supper with us, but if today God's doing that and you want to be a part of this body, the church is the body of Christ at large.
But there were churches in each city. And this is an active body. And you want to know something? I'm praying for some pieces. It's hard for a finger to operate without a hand. It's hard for a foot to run without a knee. And every person in this place was born out of the womb for the purpose of God. To be fitly framed in a body. I pray that if God isn't adding you into this church, that he would fitly frame you, your life, not only for your service, but for your comfort and the workings of God, that at the end of the day, at the end of the ages, we're going to find that those who thought they did the least were exalted the most. And preachers like myself who were seen and heard the most will be at the back of the line, and it'll be a joy. And just to begin to prepare our hearts, God, thank you for desiring to get next to what I'm dealing with. Jesus, thank you as you desired to get with your disciples. Thank you for getting with me right where I'm at. Can I just for a moment give you an invitation? Would you please stand to your feet? It'll be very brief. It's not fair. It wouldn't be fair to any here in this church this morning if I didn't give them an invitation before we took the Lord's Supper together. I mean, after all, I've said anyone who professed their faith in Christ could partake with us. But if you're here and you've never professed your faith, you've never openly come forward and said unapologetically and openly, I want to serve God and I want all to know it, including my Savior. I'm not fair to the crowd unless I challenge you like that. And again, maybe you professed and never been water baptized. Why do I need to be water baptized, preacher? It's symbolic. It's not your salvation. But it says to the world, and it says by faith to God that you have buried yourself in the very tomb or in the crucified place with Christ. And you believe in the resurrection power knowing that when you come up out of the waters of baptism, there's a new life, that any person in Christ is a new creation. No one stays the same. And you know that as Christ was raised from the dead, He can take whatever you were, however you were, however you talk, however you act, and then bring it up out of the grave and it's all things that were impossible with men are now possible with God. And this is your faith. And it's because of Christ and Him alone and the cross, the work and the blood and the ascension. And wow... Is there anybody here? And I don't ask people to bow their heads or close their eyes because Christ was beat to a bloody pulp. And I want you to openly. Is there any person here that would raise their hand and say, I need to come down the aisle, preacher? It wouldn't be fair to approach the Lord's Supper unless I give you the spot. Open-eyed, we will enter eternity. Many will not be 10 minutes out of time into eternity and they'll wish they could have prayed more. They'll wish they could have done more at the altar call, I can assure you of that. They'll wish they have studied more and gossiped less. Every one of us from the pulpit to the back door will have said then in that day, I hope I don't have to follow the prophet Isaiah as God reads his book to the world. And God, would I be ashamed of my prayer life today if you read it to the whole crowd? I mean, these are real things. They're not popular. 
I'm not trying to be popular, but I'm giving service to something God wants to do in your life and can't do it without our humility and our honesty. We need to live as a church together in services like this. We don't want religious faces and hiding it. If you've got trouble, your family's got trouble, are you bearing that thing alone or will you bring it? I just want to give you a couple of minutes. How's that? I'm going to get out of the way. And if you want to bring, listen, it may not be for your salvation, but for those in your family, are you dealing with this and having trouble? Can you leave it here with the Lord? And then take the Lord's Supper with us.